Blog Talk Radio. Sharma King, and I'm your pastor of the day, and we're going to be reading Revelations 2. As we were a couple weeks ago, we were reading as uh, John the Revelator was uh, reporting to the churches, and he was telling him what uh, Jesus had uh, was uh, saying to them as far as... uh, 
he was on Patmos Island. He had these visions, and they gave us the whole book of Revelation. And that's what John is saying, and now he has, Jesus has messages for the churches. And before we begin reading, let's open with our traditional prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And also, let us pray before we start. For all those who are suffering in this world, whether it be people, animals, plants, and of course our Mother Earth, as we pray for all of us that have come down with the coronavirus and those who are ill from many different illnesses, there's so so much illness and suffering in the world. And we also believe that there's many, many miracles happening every second of every day to help us overcome of all of our burdens. And we pray for everybody the strength to handle whatever we need to handle, whatever's in front of us, and give us enough food to eat, enough to spare us the pain of this day, or enough to carry us through. And uh, we pray for the president of our country and that, that he may recover and get well and that all the policies may be in the favor of the whole world and the whole world is watching us now, God. And please, please, us all do right in your eyes. Help us to do goodwill for each other and to bring love to each other in this world. And how, if we can all help it to stop the stress and strifing and bickering and all the stuff that we've been doing, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll get back to. Uh, uh, but Jesus said, well, the churches are doing some things right, but he also had a bone to pick with them. But they've lost that love and feeling. In the beginning, they were filled with love, and now they've lost their passion for him and for each other. The threats of death or banishment will do that to you, I guess. He wants them to remember how good things used to be and go back to that. And if they don't do this, Jesus is going to take their candlestick and chuck it right out too bad because those looked expensive. You know, they were nice. But if they do the right thing, they're going to eat from the tree of life in the paradise with God. So that's a pretty nice reward. A message for Smyrna. Jesus knows the people in Smyrna aren't rich. But hey, more money, more money problems, right? He knows they've been turned into the Roman authorities by some of the Jewish people because the Jews don't consider Christians as part of the synagogue anymore. This is bad, but they shouldn't worry about what's about to happen next. Some of them are going to be thrown in jail. Oh, sure, nothing to worry about. However, if they're faithful till death, wait, so now they're going to be arrested and killed? I know. Jesus will give them a crown of life to wear. Well, maybe it's a real, really fancy crown. But if they don't stay faithful to him, they're going to receive eternal punishment. That crown is starting to look better and better, isn't it? A message for the Parajim. Jesus understands that they're living near Satan's throne. Parajim is at the seat of the Roman government, sub to Jesus. But he knows they're keeping the faith anyway. They didn't pretend not to be Christians when one of them was killed a while back. Uh-oh. 
Anyway, nice job, guys. However, there are some people in the church who still follow. So here, let's go to straight to our Bible. And as you know, I read the Riley Study Bible. And let's all go right to our Bible. And much of this in the Riley Study Bible is written in red, which means to us it's a signal that Jesus is saying this. So that's how we're going to be taking it. So we're on Revelation 2. The things which are message to Ephesians, Revelation two, to the angel of the church in Ephesians, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven lampstands, says this: I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, but you put to test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And that you have perseverance and have endured for my sake, my name's sake, and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deed you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet this you have to, yes, that, yet this you do have. That you hate the deeds of Nicodemus, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. How beautiful. And now it's a message to Smyrna. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, The first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death, which is so important to us as Christians. And now the message to Pergamum. And to the angel of the church at Pergamum, right, the one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this. You know, this is absolutely thrilling because you're hearing this straight. And the one who has the sharp edged sword is Jesus, as we know. Okay, you now. I know where you dwell. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast my name and do not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas. My witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have here there some who hold the teachings of Balaam or teaching Balak to some to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the church says to the church what the Spirit says to the churches, and to him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, 
and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the white stone of which no one knows but he who receives it. I have to tell you something about that, that I had a dream that I received a white stone and when another dream I was given, I was told my real name and in my dream I hung my head and I cried because I recognized my name. Thank you, God. The message to Tyatria uh, and to the angel of the church of Tyatria write, the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze says this, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than, than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts, and I will give each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest of who are in Tyraria, who do not hold this teaching, who do not know the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter will be broken into pieces, as I have been received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Powerful. So that will bring us up to three for next time. So let's go back and read the notes from Ryrie. So we start two. The seven churches addressed in chapters two and three are actual churches of John's day, but they also represent types and conditions of churches in all generations. This idea is supported by the fact that there are only seven were selected out of the many that existed and flourished in John's time, and by the statement in the close of each letter that the Spirit was speaking to the churches. Under Caesar Augustus, Ephesus became the capital of the Roman providence called Asia, which today is western portion of Turkey. Pergamum is, has been the capital earlier. It was the residence of the Apostle John before and after with his ex- exile on Patmos, and it was the site of the great temple of Artemis. Okay, so two is not, do not give up, this is growing weary. And then uh, two or four is talking about you left your first love. This implies an intentional, not accidental act. More than 30 years before, this church had been commended for its love. Most were second generation Christians whose purity of doctrine and endurance and service were unquestioned, but they were abandoned with, with eagerness to please and devotion that characterizes first love. 
It says, then remove your lampstand, remove the usefulness of that local church. Then the the Nicholas, followers of Nicholas, according to the early church fathers, these were apparently the sect that advocated license in the matters of Christian conduct, including free love, though some understood the meaning of the name, conquering of the people, that they were a group that promoted a clerical hierarchy. Okay, to him that overcomes. This is on verse 2-7. Not a reference as an especially spiritual group among the believers, but to all true Christians. Paradise, a reference to heaven and the new Jerusalem. And then 2-8, Smyrna is a seaport city about 35 miles north of Ephesus, uh, called Numer today. It is a center of the imperial cult of Rome and the emperor worship. And 2-9 is apostate Jews in Smyrna were, in reality, instruments of Satan. Wow. 2-10, you will have tribulation for 10 days. This may refer to a 10-day period of intense persecution to come, or it may indicate 10 periods of persecutions from Nero to Diocletian, the crown of life. The reward of one who is faithful under trial or to death. So you get a recon of life if you stay faithful. And to 11, a second death, eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Okay, so now we're at per 12.2, which is Pergenum of Smyrna. It boasted of the finest libraries of antiquity. It was a place where parchment was first used. And it once been the capital of Roman province of Asia. And 12.13, where Satan dwells. Literally, where Satan's throne is, a reference to Pergamum's worship, uh, either of the Roman emperor or Zeus at its altar of the Acropolis, or both. And then 1214's teaching of Bilam, and then the followers of Nicholas, and then 1217, hidden manna, refers to the sufficiency of Christ for the believer's needs, as manna was for the Hebrews during the wilderness wanderings. The white stone refers to the custom of voting for the acquittal of an accused person by using a white stone, indicating that the believer can be assured of his acquittal before God. Or it may refer to the sufficiency of Christ from the customs of wearing amulets around their neck. Uh, then 1218 is a city noted for its numerous trade guilds and for wool and dyeing industry. And it was about 35 miles southeast of Pergam and Jezebel. This false prophetess may have actually had been named Jezebel. More probably, however, she has a well-known woman whose actions made her a contemporary counterpart of notorious Jezebel, one of uh, First Kings. And the bed of sickness of that perhaps was the result of immorality and her children, his followers, and deep things of Satan. John is saying. To those of you who have not been seduced by false doctrines, keep these deep things of Satan, I say only. Then believers, we shall share the millennial rule of Christ. You are all over the rod of iron, reference to Christ's reign on earth. And 28, the morning star, probably a reference to Christ himself, or perhaps the mortal life that he will receive, we will receive from Christ. And then we go on to the message to the next church, which is Sardis. And that will be coming up next. And 
you know, the imagery that I have in my mind the whole time that I'm reading this is uh, quite astonishing to me. It's uh, to hear from Jesus himself and how he, he has all of us in mind that we're all in his thoughts. He's thinking of us. He's preparing for us. And he will come back for, for us because he says we are not you know, left alone here without him. He's left us. He left us the Holy Spirit, and he's coming back for us. So for now, uh, we're going to go next week. We're going to read the rest of, we're going to go back to uh, read Chapter 3 of this startling and uh, powerful, very, for me, very difficult to read Revelation. It's difficult. Because not only do the words uh, tongue-tie me, but the meaning is so powerful, it's hard to keep reading and not just cry through the whole thing because you know it's coming straight from your Heavenly Father. And it's so sacred and so blessed, and I dare read the words. It's just uh, at times overwhelming, but I'm just going to get through it and just read it, and we'll all read together and we'll, as we will next week. So now I'm going to switch to the best angel stories, of course, from my faithful editors of uh, Guideposts. And I'm going to read The Secret for Five by Pam Pam Zolman. Starts here. I knew a secret. Only three people, maybe four, knew this secret. Me, my husband Bill, his secretary Jill, and maybe Jill's husband. And what was that secret? Bill, my husband of nearly 30 years, wanted to divorce me and marry Jill. What the? Divorce is nothing new. It was going on even in Jesus' time. It wasn't even new to me. My mother had been married numerous times, divorcing my own father when I was two. But I had never even envisioned myself divorced. Bill and I still held hands. Well, we did till February 14th. That stopped after a romantic dinner at our favorite restaurant when he announced he was moving out. Nothing you say or do will change my mind, Bill said. Valentine's Day had always been important to Bill. While he may not always remember my birthday or anniversary, he always remembered February 14th and made that special. He proposed to me on Valentine's Day, giving me flowers, treating me to dinner, and getting down on one knee after a stroll on the beach. On the 25th anniversary of his proposal, he gave me a gold heart with a diamond in the center. Wear this always, and I'll remind you of my love, he said. That Valentine's night, I sat in shock, fingering the gold necklace I always wore and wondering how long our marriage had even been a joke. I had not even seen this coming. I chose not to tell anyone about my husband's affair, especially not our two sons, because I was praying that Bill would change his mind. And if he did... I didn't want any of my friends, my family members, to hold his indiscretion against him. I loved him and was willing to forgive him. Plus, I think I was in denial. If I kept quiet about it, then it might not actually happen. So a few days later, when I went to the post office, the secret was still a secret. When I got to the post office parking lot, I had about five minutes before the employees closed the door. Another woman had pulled into the space next to mine, and she struggled with three large boxes, obviously ready to mail. Let me help you, I said, taking a box. Thank you, she replied with a pronounced Hispanic accent. Her long black hair was pulled back at the sides and fastened with gold clips, and she wore an expensive dark green jacket and matching slacks, 
I guess she'd just gotten off work. Large gold earrings matched her hair clips and her makeup was perfect. I, on the other hand, wore jeans and a sweater. My own dark hair was in long braid down my back. In Houston, Texas, we have mild winters, so neither of us needed a coat. She gripped a box in either arm, and I followed her to the her into the post office, her heels clicking on the pavement. My tennis shoes scuffed. A postal employee locked the door behind us. As we joined the end of the short line, she asked me about postage. I'm not from here, she said. A slight citrus fragrance surrounded her. I do not know how to mail these boxes. If you're not in a hurry for these packages to arrive, it's pretty, pretty cheap to mail them. But if you want them to arrive a certain date, You'll have to pay more for the first-class priority meal, I said, shifting her box so that I was balancing it on my hip. To the best of my knowledge, I explained the difference between the rates, and the postal workers are easy to work with. They'll help you. As we moved up in line, she told me she was from Guatemala. Our postal system is not very reliable. We complain about ours, I said, but overall it works pretty well. Two spots opened up at the counter, and I handed her one box I was carrying for her. Thank you, she said, and I appreciate your help. I smiled. No problem. The woman behind the counter took my large brown envelope and weighed it and stamped it. I paid for the postage and headed for the door. When the Guatemala woman stepped away from the counter right behind me, I was surprised. I figured it would take her longer because the three boxes were the three boxes, but I was wrong. The postal worker was in a hurry to go home, I guess. Another employee unlocked the door and let us out. You've been so healthy, helpful, she said as we walked out together. I would like to do something for you now. Oh, goodness, no, I protested. I, re- I don't really do anything. I didn't really do anything. Would you like me to pray for you today, she said. Pray for me? That surprised me. As a Christian, I had no problem with people praying for me, but a stranger never offered to pray for me in the parking lot. I hesitated for only a moment. Sure, I said. She stood in front of me and took both of my hands in hers. A charm bracelet jingled on her right wrist. Rings adorned with several fingers, her nails were printed, painted pretty pink. I closed my eyes and she began to pray. Heavenly Father, I lift up my, lift up Pam. Pam, I didn't remember telling her my name, but had I? And I ask that you give her strength and courage to face her current situation. My current what? Give her and her two sons the guidance they'll need. My two sons, I never mentioned my family to her and surrounded her with your love during her divorce and afterward. My eyes flew open and I stared at her. Her eyes were still closed and her face serene. How could she know any of this about me? Help her to know that the future holds great hope for her. Through Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. She opened her eyes and smiled at me, squeezing my hands. I was so astonished I didn't know what to say. She unhooked her charm bracelet and fastened it around my wrist. I want you to have this. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly. She raised her hand, and I stopped speaking. I want you to wear this. It will remind you of God's love for you. I looked at the charm bracelet as my left hand fingered my necklace, almost the exact words Bill had given me five years earlier. Eyeing my hand on my heart necklace, she shook her head. This isn't a promise like that one, she said. This is God's promise to you. He loves you and wants you to be reminded of it, especially during the tough times that are ahead of you. How do you know these things, I asked. Don't worry about that, she said with a smile. Accept the gift and know that God loves you. Thank you. I said, I held my arm up and the charm braces jingled at tiny bells. Could I have your name and phone number? I might want to talk to you again. Sure, she said, and dug her in a black purse. She scribbled her name 
and a phone number and a torn piece of paper and handed it to me. I wanted to be sure I wouldn't lose it, so I put it in the coin section of my wallet. Thank you, I repeated. She waved goodbye, got into her car seat, her seat and drove off. I stood in the parking lot staring at the bracelet. The bracelet was silver, but it was not an expensive piece of jewelry. The charms were set in three sets of threes. Each set had a leaping dolphin facing right, a star, and a leaping dolphin, dolphin facing left. Nothing Christian about it, but yet I felt special wearing it. I drove home wondering about my strange encounter. At home, I opened the coin section of wall to look at the pink piece of paper, but it wasn't there. I have no idea what happened to it, but it disappeared between the post office and my home. Was the Guatemalan woman an angel in disguise? I have no idea, but I'd like to think she was. Even if I wasn't an angel, even if she wasn't an angel, God was obviously using her, and she was no ordinary woman. She knew my secret, and so did God. And that confronted for me during my divorce and three years later. All I had to do was look at the bracelet and know God loved me, and he cared for me, and he he cared what happened to me. And he was with me always. Amen. Just just to remind us, sometimes things do change. They change abruptly. And the Bible does say everybody will be pitted against us. Sometimes you'll lose your children, your husband, your grandchildren, sister against sister, brother against sister, sister against brother, brother against sister. It's so sad to think about. But that's the way. That's why we cling even stronger to Jesus and his promise and Christ our God. And we ask for the heavenly angels to minister to us in our loneliness and our yearnings for love and our yearnings for warmth and comfort and our yearnings for the love that we seek. And we pray, God, as we let the words of that story sink in, that we the help we need is always there when we need it. No matter what our problem is, no matter how hard it is and how harsh it is, that there's a solution to every problem. There's help. There's hope. There's love and peace for us, and there's happiness. When we hold stead to your love, when we hold fastly, fastly to what your will is for us to do, and show kindness and love to each other and be the best people that we can be to be humble and be best in terms of we give more. We're going to end up suffering more and we do more and we do more service. We help one another more and our final reward will be that crown in heaven. We thank you, God. Thank you so much for the lessons you've given us today and every day. Thank you, God. Now let's close with our prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So come back again for next time. We'll go to Revelations chapter 3 as I mush my way through it and With your help and your prayers, I'll make it through to another week. And I love you guys so much. And just know that you are loved. God bless you. God bless you so much. And as we pray for each other, we stand for each other. 
And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll see you next week, okay? God bless you. I love you. I miss you in between times. Pray for me, okay? And I pray for you every day. Love you. Bye-bye.